Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Speaking of reliability, this is Fred Schenkelberg. And this is Greg Cutchins. Good morning. Morning, Greg. <laughs> hey, hey, I we were chatting a bit about this, that, and the other thing. And you did a, a webinar earlier this week, the week that we're recording this. And one of the questions that came in close to the end of the time we had for the webinar was related to contingency plans. And, and it was, I wasn't quite sure if it was how, how do you create a good one or what, what are the markers for a good one or, uh, you know, what's the process or was the, what I got out of the question. So I thought well, that might make a good short conversation. And as we were just about to hit record, well, we kind of outlined like 15 things here. So this might be end up being two episodes. <laughs> so when I think of a contingency plan, it's what do I do if, and then you fill in the blanks. It is if we have a desired outcome, we want to make a million dollars profit next week. And well, what if we don't sell anything on Monday? Well, then we got to, what do we do to change path, change advertising, you know, we have a plan. Contingency is, well, what if the plan doesn't go according to schedule or plan? If it doesn't happen to plan, then what do you do? And so I've run into it over and over in my career is like, well, what happens if, and it's, so is that a fair way to summarize what a contingency plan is? Boy, why me? Okay, am I <laughs> am I am I your token uh, risk uh, risk? Well, for... you say you have a one trick pony. Everything's risk lens. So I mean, in risk management, <laughs> there one of the mitigation, you know, or one of the parts of the of a risk management plan is, you know what happens if the interest rates double or what happens if this or what happens if that or you know in reliability context what if happens if this product goes out and is not fit for use and harms a bunch of people what do we do then and some organizations have policies of who can talk to the press and not and you know all those kinds of things it's part of that but at some level it's all right if we get a recall what do we do how do we handle that? We don't create a brand new system on the fly in the moment, although sometimes some people do. So what I think of it as contingency plan is that is, yeah, we have a risk of things not going as expected. Yeah. Okay. What do we, what's likely to happen and what are we going to do about it? I, I, I think it's pretty simple in my mind. It's not easy to create one. That's I think why you got the question. But uh, so, what do you think of when you think of a contingency plan? So, basically, a contingency plan is simply asking, "What if?" And people who are, you know, running a job, running a project, have, you know, supervising people always seem to have that as a as a first question that comes out of their mind. Mm -hmm. It's what if. Um, if you're going to do a formal business contingency plan, um, you know, there's a lot of names for that. One might be an emergency response, could be backup operations. It could be a what if plan, a post disaster. It could be a business continuity. They're all the, basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
So how do we basically start? The first thing is to say, okay, what are the risks that can happen? What are the, you know, and, you know, when I say risks are, um, you know, both probably positive and negative, but most of us, you know, when we think of business continuity or contingency, it's, you know, what if something bad happens, right? Well, that, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I, I, although I have had, I was working with a product team and they were, you know, because we were inserting a lot more reliability engineering and, and they were getting more visibility as to how to design a reliable product out the gate. They actually sat down for a meeting one time and I got invited to us. Well, what if this really is this reliable and our customers buy more of them than we expected? So they laid out a strategy and set things in motion so they could ramp up capacity. You know, they the long lead time components, they got, you know, commitments to for for deliveries of some of those and stuff like that. And it was just in case of the upside. And, and fortunately, that happened. They ended up having an upside, and they were very happy with the results of it. Um, yet, I, I get that idea that most times is, well, what if it goes out there and it flops, and we got to shut down production and lay off people, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, so if you're, that's, you bring up a good point. You know, there's both the upside, you know, a business impact of something you know, the market grows, you sell too many products, you've got customer demand that's out of this uh, rough. You have a long lead time or a long wait and you, you know, and uh, people are clamoring for it. The business risk to me is that it creates a marker for other companies or a signal to other companies that we need a solution in this space because there's a demand for it. And if they, that's right. and you have the advantage that you already have some production, but if you can't meet demand, that just creates an opportunity for your competitors. Um, so it, there, there's a piece of that. And, and the same in a production line, right? If we bring in a brand new high zoots piece of equipment up for the bottleneck piece and it doubles our throughput, the contingency plan in that case is, well, where's the new bottleneck? <laughs> you know, That's right. Can we even use this extra capacity of this one machine? And anytime you bring in new equipment into a plant, uh, you know, there's going to be hiccups throughout the plant. You know, yeah. you're going to have sort of high swings. You know, you're going to have, you know, issues with suppliers. You're going to have issues with buffer inventory. You're going to have all types of issues. Yeah. So you almost have to redesign the throughput. Yeah. So what's a contingency plan? Let's sort of start with there that because that might be a good sort of you know, way to uh, start the conversation. First of all, you got to figure out what are your risks that you're going to have? What are the unusual occurrences? What are the hiccups? What are the buffers? What are the, <laughs> you know, is it going to even change production flow? You know, well, is that, is that generated like through a brainstorm technique or is there guides for, you know, the sectors of areas or is it really the, who's in the room and you kind of list it out? Uh, brainstorming and who's in the room yeah yep. because um, <laughs> any time you change a stable system so you know the essence of quality essence of reliability essence of uh, manufacturing is stability yeah uh, stability through throughput stability in machine in terms of CPKs stability in terms of your suppliers right you want to have the 
entire system, the entire flow, yeah. to be fairly regular as much as you can. And then you really, really want, which is you don't have much control over many times, is stable customer demand. <laughs> and now what's the next thing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What happens if there's a spike in demand? Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to bring in new suppliers. You're going to have to bring in new machines. <laughs> more labor, more, t you know, more trucks, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And anytime you do that, what are you going to have? You're going to have a risk. So when you have that risk of bringing in new equipment, you're going to have to have new controls. So the first thing to do is to figure out what are the changes that are going to happen to the system and evaluate them in terms of likelihood, maybe consequence. Mm -hmm. So just simply a heat map. You can do that in the back of the envelope. I also add, whenever I've had the chance to be part of a, a, that kind of discussion, is mm -hmm. also what are our signals that says, yep, this is on track to what, how often it occurs or severity, or that if, if it occurs or not, is how can we tell if this is happening as soon as possible versus not happening? Because we might list 20 or 30 significant things that we want to be aware of or, or, or uh, rank order or prioritize or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we often don't know for sure. There's a risk in just the people in the room going, well, I think that's a problem. And we don't really know. It's, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. So I often add that line of, well, how can we tell if this is happening or not? And I learned that from you. I think there's a risk term for it or somewhere. <laughs> well, so there's two types of data that we have, you know, in quality. We have the, you know, the variation type of, you know, quality data that we have in a process. Like control charting. We would control use that charting. to monitor. Exactly. Yeah. It's control charting. And then we have the signals. You know, it could be a Poisson distribution, but it's discrete events, right? Mm -hmm. Keeping track of discrete events in real time coming up with a distribution and be a Poisson, whatever the distribution is, but, you know, having some type of chart that we can see in real time, preferably to see, you know, are there any unusual, is there any unusual variation? If there is, there could be some type of Sentinel uh, event. It could be a, uh, you know, a marker. It can be a, uh, you know, just even a, Hey, we need to call, you know, like if we, if we're, and I've run into this a couple of times is where we're, I'm monitoring the arrival rate of failures, you know, customer complaints, basically. Yes. Which it, are discrete events. Right. And, it, you know, and it just seemed, maybe it's anecdotal uh, or maybe it's just because it happened to be on Friday afternoon, but I didn't which, you know, irritates me because it probably means I'm going to work <laughs> later or over the weekend versus the ones that happen on Tuesday and those are in the normal course of business and I deal with it because I don't notice them as much. But say Friday afternoon I get three phone calls and they're all about XYZ component blew up or is not working or something like that. And I'm like, three does not make a trend yet there's something here. And and other times it might be more I'm tracking arrival rates of, you know, customer complaints and it's maybe five a day or some control chart equivalent and there's control charts for discrete data. So you can, can actually monitor it that way. And you look for those anomalies, but I also look for anomalies where it's clusters and, and I don't know. And I think there is statistical ways to go about doing it, but every now and then you get those triggers where 
Oh, my house burned down. Oh, my shop burned down. Oh, the laptop, you know, caught fire at the airport. I'm like, oh, I think we need to pay attention to these, even though it's only a two or three signals. Well, you know, in a classic control chart, normally if you have three points above a line or if you have three points following a pattern, right. those are statist statistically significant. But sometimes like a Boeing door plug. <laughs> yeah, come apart. Yeah. It only takes one and they ground the fleet. <laughs> That's right. It only takes one. And it's the ability to make a decision, right? <laughs> to say, okay, uh, is the one-off enough basically to provide a sentinel event that we need to have an investigation or we do we need to have a business continuity or do we need to have a contingency? Well, the, you know, the contingency plan is you already know the FAA is going to say, hey, what's going on here? And United didn't hesitate and Alaska didn't hesitate. So we're going to ground these until we get them inspected and make sure they're airworthy and all that good stuff. That wasn't decided on the spot. I'm sure there was plenty of contingency type Event, you know, not knowing that this plug's going to blow out, but they've had enough experiences as an aircraft industry in the aircraft industry in general. They go, you know, if something affects or has the has a safety related consequence, this is what we do. Uh, what was the there was a case years and years ago? Is somebody tampered with some was it Excedrin or some kind of over the counter? Uh, pain medicine, you know, like for like aspirin, but I don't think it was aspirin. They tamper with the packaging. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why to this day, we still have all these hard to remove seals on top of all kinds of different things. Um, so that it, it signaled to the consumer that this hasn't been tampered with. And there was a hundred percent recall that, you know, that's a classic that, you know, what was it? It was some type of pain pill, but anyway, the classic example there was the business continuity. The contingency plan was do a hundred percent recall. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be expensive. It might be a one-off. We're not really sure of all the details, but we're going to act very quickly to protect our this, our brand and the safety of our our customers. And they just did it. Where I've been involved with other situations where the company pretty much looks the other way and says, well, that's somebody else's fault. We met the requirements. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And houses are burning down. And I'm like, um, I think there's a problem here. But, um, but so anyway, like I, I add, I, I, it's like an FMEA in my mind is where if it's safety related, it gets like more points to it. We're going to pay closer attention to those. And then I, I, you know, yeah, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and then we prioritize them. And so we, we get this long list and we may be setting uh, markers out or signals or trip wires or whatever we want to call it, control charts to say, well, is this really happening or not? Early detection of some sort or another. Um, but the contingency plan, I always look at it as it's just in case if, if this and this and this happen, then we do this. It's not, does it's do you think contingency plans is a format that can help make the process remain stable or uh, be robust to perturbations that occur and changes that happen? <laughs> well, the contingency plan basically is the what if, you know, and basically the what if is what happens if the process, what happens if the flow all of a sudden becomes 
uh, chaotic, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, unusual or out of out of control or, you know, mm-hmm. unstable or lack of uh, capability. In that case, that's when the contingency plan kicks off. And just like, you know, if you're dealing with a critical item like safety, essentially when you're doing a safety evaluation, you're looking at consequence and likelihood. Mm-hmm. And the consequence is so high because it deals with human life or the value of the firm, then what do you do? You know, your business continuity or your contingency plan kicks in. Why? Because there's a catastrophic consequence, and right. unfortunately. So in that place, you know, when you're looking at it from an enterprise point of view, the contingency plan automatically kicks in. If you're looking at it, a problem from a product point of view, what's the contingency plan? Usually it's a CAPA, corrective action, preventive action plan. I, you know, CAPA is a cop-out in my mind. I've seen way too many programs where Mm -hmm. they're just going to, it's a formal way of complaining to your vendors and has contractual uh, consequences if they don't complete the process or the form. And there's little, and I, I look at it as that's one of the many tools we have to communicate with the supplier of some component or part or part of our process. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's a way to keep track of where we're at with these various investigations or, or reconcilization, whatever. But the, the basic, so if I'm on a product product line and the best production line I ever saw was it was a factory in Mexico that, was originally built by Bell Labs or by Ma Bell, the, the, the universal phone company we used to have way back when. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and it was making circuit boards, you know, for a variety of product products. They were not owned by uh, Bell anymore or the phone companies, but they were in the same business they'd been in forever. And it was absolutely amazing is that Every person on the line, the the people running the equipment that was building these circuit boards and and monitoring its progress and stuff, um, could shut down the line, and 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 there were a handful of instances, and there was a bit different systems and checks and balances to to prevent errors and stuff like that. But when something was wrong. When I was on the line, somebody noticed that one of the reels was the wrong component and it had been putting the wrong resistor down instead of, you know, 100 uh, uh, ohms. It was uh, 200 ohms or whatever it was. It was, and they said, and they hit the red button and stopped the line and they quarantined the product until they could inspect which ones were good and which ones weren't. And there was no, the contingency plan is, what did you notice? You know, what, and, and it was, we're going to stop until we get the, the team comes together when that event occurs. And then we figure out what do we know? What do we don't know? But the first thing they did was we don't, the priority was we don't want to ship bad products or products with the wrong components on it, for example, or damaged products. So they pretty much stopped everything. They had a truck ready to leave and they stopped it until they could clear that it had only good stuff on it. And it was a, a process that it was safe to do that. And I've been in way too many factories where if <laughs> an operator hits the stop button, they, you know, 
they get chewed out. They get yelled at. They, you know, maintenance teams can't do maintenance because they're saying, just get it working again. And they, they can't actually figure out what's the problem to, to fix it properly. They, they just slap it back together and hope it keeps running. But you know what I mean? Is the contingency plan, it can be, you know, yeah, we got to do a major recall and here's what we do. Or there's a major safety issue. We could ground all the planes. But that, that same philosophy applies on the production line or it applies in the product development. We shouldn't need whistleblowers. If you have a decent set of contingency plans and operations, that is true to your intent of your organization, whether it's to make reliable products or cost-effective products or you know whatever it is. But it, that's where I... Th- where I think it, it it's not just at the top level. I think there's contingency plans all through the organization that should be thought through. What do I do if? And the best example by far was this factory and, and that I ran, had the opportunity to, to, to audit, basically, walk through. Um, it was brilliant. It, the culture there was they knew what, the, what they're supposed to do, and they had a really deep understanding of what to do when something's not working or when something is abnormal. And they had plenty of indicators to look for to detect anomalies. It was brilliant. So that cord is sometimes called an andon cord or something like that. It's like a, a rope, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, any operator or QAQC person can pull to stop production. It's probably part of the Toyota production system. Yep, I've only seen it in three places that it was really used. I've seen it in hundreds of organizations, but you're not allowed to touch it. It was kind of the the rule. <laughs> the one that I, <laughs> yeah. So let let let's do a what if. That's based on the lean slash quality concept mm-hmm. of stability. Yep. What happens if you've got a supply chain problem? What happens if you have demand, uh, you know, uh, uh, changes in demand? What happens to your production flow, your stable production flow? What happens if the cost of your incoming products, you know, fluctuate like crazy? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the assumptions on what if quality, you know, what if based quality, you know, of stability, of capability, of improvement, minimizing variation, that changes in an uncertain environment. And these days, especially with supply chains and cost of items and cost of uh, what do you want to call it? Cost of. Um, oh, even just transport now. If you're transport. shipping by ship, both exactly. Suez Canal and the Panama Canal are in, in restricted production or throughput. Absolutely. So what do you do? And that's the problem with a lot of the assumptions that we have. So what happens is now we need what if contingency plans, right? You know, all over the place. And who develops those? And, you know, what type of controls do you have? Specifically, what type of risk controls do you have? So the basic thing of starting up a contingency plan is how are you looking at the problem? Are you looking at it from an enterprise point of view? Are you looking at it from a project point of view, a plant point of view, or just simply a component, mm-hmm. production line point of view? And then, you know, what happens if? Those are the big questions. Yep. And are the consequences catastrophic or are they consequences that are minor? I think those are the ways that start the whole problem, you know, the yep. solution. 
I ran into one program manager, and it's probably a, a last comment and we should wrap it up, is that this one program, uh-huh. uh, project manager, I should say, um, she pushed back on, well, what if it's not reliable enough? You know, we're creating this model, we're collecting the data, and if it's good, it's good. And, and she, her comment was, we plan for success. And I'm like, okay, I, I think I understand that. What if you're not successful? Oh, we'll deal with that when we get to it. That was her contingency plan. We'll deal with that later. And invariably, they had a handful of hiccups in the design, and this component just wasn't going to work, and they had to deal with it, and, and a handful of test results came back going, oh, this is not ready for prime time. And then she you know, sat down and, and uh, with the team and said, all right, what are we going to do? And they made a bunch of decisions, but it just felt hurried or rushed to me as opposed to having thought through maybe 10 or 15 different things to get not so much that you have the exact contingency plan for the future event that you don't know it's going to happen. I think that was her pushback is we don't know what's going to happen. So let's not plan for everything. We don't have time for that. The value in it, though, is that the team understands what are the trade-offs, what are the priorities, what's what's important, you know, what triggers this being a, a serious issue, and, and it goes straight to the top, and we shut everything down. And what which is okay to shut the line down for? What's okay? It's kind of more that discussion process helps the team understand where the boundaries are. What is a contingent? And when do we invoke those kinds of processes? I don't think it's possible to plan for every what if. Some people are really creative at finding ways things could go wrong. <laughs> I think it's more important that it's that we have a thought process of how to create contingencies and actions and and trigger the philosophy, if, if for lack of a better word, of how we respond to you know, a range of different scenarios or types of issues. We might not know every exact issue, but if it's a safety issue, ground the planes until we sort it out. It, it's simple, something like that. From my lens, I would ask two questions. How do you measure success? How do you make, well, actually three questions. How do you measure success? You know, how do you measure profitability? And then quite, you know, from there, I would go to, what are the important risk questions to ask? Because the risk questions are going to inhibit you from reaching your metric of success, your metric of profitability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, it makes sense. Good summary. Um, I don't know. We didn't have time at the end of that webinar to do a 20, 25 minute answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm glad we have this format to address questions. <laughs> So if, if you know if you listen to this and and you know if, if you come up with a contingency plan in the past or if you have a good recommendations of thought process on it or if we're on the mark whatever let us know um, we'd love to hear from you and it's these kinds of questions that often give us this format allows us to expand on it and discuss it and explore ideas and stuff like that which is fun uh, and hopefully it's it's useful for you. So let us know what your questions are or thoughts or ideas. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. And there you can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us. Uh, Greg and I and the other hosts of the show are available through LinkedIn and our about pages. We have context material or forms and procedures or whatever. Uh, lots of ways for you to get in touch. And we'd love to hear from you. 
Um, I'm just thinking that it's cold outside, so my contingency plan is to put a coat on. Sometimes my plans get very <laughs> practical. <laughs> and mine are sweaters. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg. We'll talk to you again. Take care All now. Right. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.